I'd like you to take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start a four-week series in uh, chapter, chapter 8 of, of the book of Romans. And uh, I believe that this will help you um, in your walk with the Lord. I believe that there's some principles in here that will uh, encourage you, that will strengthen you, uh, that will um, help fortify you uh, really against uh, the attacks of Satan uh, on your life. And uh, we, we must remember that we are in a sport, spiritual warfare. And uh, I want us to take a look at Romans chapter 8. I've entitled this, A Life in Christ. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today, A Life in Christ. I'm going to preach the first point to you uh, this morning, and then I will preach the second point to you this evening. But let's take a look at this, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me, hath, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of of sinful flesh and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. It's, it's key that you understand that it says here, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. It did not say that he sent his son in sinful flesh. There's a major difference. And for sin, condemn, condemn sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh... But in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can be right and pure and clean before you because of what Christ has done for us. And I pray, Father, that I would be pure and clean before you as I prayed earlier this morning, that I would be right with you. I pray that I would be right even now. And Father, I ask that your grace will work in me and through me. I pray that this message would be an encouragement I pray that if there are those who do not know you this morning as their personal Savior, that this morning would be the day of their salvation. And Father, I pray that you would give each one of us, pastor and people alike, exactly what we need spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Father, I pray that for those that are here this morning that have troubles and burdens and Maybe they're physical, maybe they're emotional, maybe they're mental, or maybe they're spiritual. I pray that you would meet those needs through the precious work of your Holy Spirit. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. How 
Have you ever done this? I know I have. But have you ever walked up to maybe a couple or a group of people that are talking and you walk up in the middle of their conversation? You know, for the first few minutes, you don't have really any idea of what they're discussing. And it takes a little bit. But after listening uh, to them, uh, you start to figure out what they're talking about and, and where the conversation is, is directed or where it's going. I mention this because when we start to read a passage of Scripture, we got, we, we got to remember that these, this passage of Scripture, some of them were written to individuals, some of them were written, written to groups of churches, uh, some of uh, them were just uh, uh, written to individual people. And when you start in the middle of a book like we're starting here this morning, it's like walking up to somebody in the middle of a conversation. And, and, and to start to make a comment or a judgment upon that person's conversation before you know what's going on would be pretty foolish. And could be embarrassing. And what I find here this morning is if we just walk up to Romans 8 and we start in the, uh, right in the middle of the book of Romans without understanding the conversation that Paul had, uh, ha is having, if you will, with the uh, Roman Christians... We're going to miss what Paul's trying to teach us underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Lord willing, we're going to take a look at Romans chapter 8 for the next four weeks. But in order for us to understand Romans chapter 8, what it's talking about, it would be wise for us to understand what the theme of the book is and the context where Romans chapter 8 is found. I want you to turn back to Romans chapter 1 quickly here this morning. Romans chapter 1. And Paul was writing, and he says here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was writing, first of all, to all the Roman believers, uh, and he wanted them, or all the believers in Rome, I should say, and he wanted them to understand, here it is, he wanted them to understand the gospel of Christ. Think about that. He's writing to believers. And he wants them to understand the gospel of Christ. Why would believers have to understand the gospel of Christ? He did this for a reason. He did this so that, so that they would know how a sinner may be received righteous by a righteous God and how a justified saint should live daily to the glory of God. So it was a twofold purpose, the reason that he's saying, I am writing to you uh, um, uh, Roman believers, the, the believers that are in Rome, I'm writing to you so that you will understand the, the gospel of God, the grace of God, so that you can understand how a sinner uh, can, become, be, can be received righteous before a righteous God and how you are to live daily to the glory of God. Drop down to verses 16 and 17 because I believe that this could sum up the whole book in these two verses. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone believeth, that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, now here we go, the just shall live by faith. See, we've missed that though in our Christian life. We, we, we understand that we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior by faith, but then many times we get caught up in trying to live the Christian life in our own strength. We get caught up in trying to, well, let me just do more to be able to please God, and, and that way I'll find favor with God. Paul said, look, I'm writing to these believers in Rome so that you may know how to glorify God on a daily basis. And he says it, that the just are to live by faith. This is how we would perceive living by faith. Oh, well, all right, Lord, I'm going to, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of this, but I'm saying, uh, all right, Lord, I'm going to hand this track out, and, and I'm going to take it by faith. You're going to give me the strength, and that's a good thing. Or, or Lord, I'm going to take this step of faith, and I'm going uh, uh, to give a little bit more. And, and that's a good thing. That's, that's, that is living by faith. But how about this? Lord, I'm going to live by faith today, knowing that you are living in and through me, and I am going to base my life upon what you do through me. Just as I accepted you for complete salvation, I am accepting you today for my complete sanctification. Amen. That's what Paul's talking about. See, Romans 8 answers the issue of Romans 7. And uh, turn over to Romans chapter 7, if you will, please. Because Paul, he says, okay, the theme of the book is, is how a sinner can be received righteous by a righteous God and then how a, a righteous saint can live daily for the glory of God. So that's the theme. But then he shows us not only the theme, but he shows us the struggle. So he says, I'm writing to you for this purpose, for you to understand the gospel better. He says, but I want you to understand the question. I want you to understand the struggle. Look at Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. This is where we're going to find how we apply Romans chapter 8. Verse 15 says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then there is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that, that, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that do I. Now, if I do that what I, that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I, then fi I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Did you notice that? I, then, I, I find then a law. That's key. You, 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 you need to grab a hold of that. There's a law, there, there is just like, there's a law of gravity, right? You're not going to break the law of gravity unless you get out of our atmosphere, right? So if I go up on the top of this church and we take everybody up there and we say, hey, let's just jump. We're not going to float. 
It's a law, right? We're going to come down. What goes up must come down, okay? So pretty simple. That's the law of gravity right there, okay? So now there's a law here going on. There's, some, there's something going on. He said, I, fi- I, I find then a law that when I would do good, well, what's the, what's the law? Evil might be there. No, the law is that evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So then, now, now there's another law. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Here is the question that Romans 8 answers. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You ever feel like that? I just can't please God. I just can't live up to his standards. The things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I want to do, I don't do. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. So now here's the question for you this morning. Because we all, we all, we all want to strive, right, to, to live this good Christian life. And we all want to make sure that we are accepted of God and God's favor is upon us. So the question arises, must a believer spend their whole life on earth frustrated by ongoing defeats and indwelling sin? Must a believer spend their whole earthly life frustrated by ongoing defeats and indwelling sin? And then I think there's a follow-up question that we ought ought to ask. Is there no power provided to achieve victory in this life? I mean, are we just hanging on until we get to the other side? The last time I checked, Jesus said... I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. So then where are we failing? The just shall live by faith. See, many times, this really, what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 7 is the battle that we go through. And it's how we feel. And Romans 8 is the answer of how to live above, above the struggles, even though the struggle is real. Now, let me answer those two questions I just stated about 30 seconds ago. The question is, must a believer spend their whole life on earth frustrated by ongoing defeats and indwelling sin? No. You do not have to live defeated and frustrated. No. You do not have to live defeated and frustrated. Then the second question is, is there no power provided to achieve victory in this life? Yes, there is power to achieve victory in this life. And Romans 8 teaches us that every believer can live free because of Christ. We don't have to live in defeat. 
We don't have to live with the, the frustration of indwelling sin. And yes, there is power for every single believer to live in victory. And every believer can live free because of Christ. You say, well, how can I live free because of Christ? You want to put this down if you're taking notes. You have no condemnation. You have no condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We've got to understand the reality of this statement that Paul has made underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Listen, there is no condemnation for the believer. There is no awaiting punishment for the believer. You will not suffer the penalty attached to the condition of being lost and separate from God. You are released from the curse of the law. This is a present day reality. It is today. You don't have to live underneath the power of sin. The word now, he says, there is therefore now. You know what that means? It means at the present moment. You're not under condemnation. You say, I'm not? No. You're not under punishment. You're not? No. And you never will be. You say, well, why am I not underneath condemnation? I mean, there are many times in my Christian life I feel like I'm condemned. I feel like I haven't measured up. I feel like God is just so distant and far from me. I feel like I've got to earn his favor. I feel like I've got to earn his love. I feel like I've got to earn, to earn his, his, his pleasing upon me and his blessings upon me. Listen, those feelings, they don't come from God. God stated emphatically, there is no condemnation. None. You say, well, then why is all this happening? Because you are living by feelings and not by faith. The just shall live by faith. You say, wait a second. Have you ever not felt saved? Mm-hmm. You know, when you just want to reach out and Mm. Or maybe you're just overcome with despair. But just because you don't feel like you're saved, you go back to the Word of God. And what does the Word of God say? Wait a second. I've called upon the name of the Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God. I believe that he came and lived a sinless life. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and it was my sin that put him there. I believe that he rose again three days later, and I believe that he's coming back according to the Scriptures. It doesn't matter if I feel like I'm saved. I know what I believe. So then the point is we've accepted that by faith, right? Not by feeling. So my point is you feel like you're condemned. You feel like you got to earn God's favor. You feel like you got to try and earn his blessings. Wait a second. There is no condemnation. You don't live by your feeling. You live by your faith. You say, Pastor, I just sinned. I just did something wrong. Well, you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I agree with you. Your word says that's sin. That is sin. But I thank you I am not condemned. I thank you that you love me as much as you, you did before I sinned as I am right now. 
See, we try and earn that, and that's exactly what Satan wants us to do because it brings us underneath the bondage of the law, and you live a defeated and frustrated Christian life. You say, you're not under punishment. No. Well, why am I not under punishment? Put this down, letter A. Because you're in Christ. Listen, you say, well, what does it mean to be in Christ? Don't we? (laughs) We talk a lot about Christ being in us, right? And that's true. Christ is in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, in verse... uh, 10 or 11, I think it's 11 in this chapter, you'll see that the phrases are are interchangeable, the Spirit and then in Christ. So, yeah, we talk about the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but that's a representation of Christ. So Christ is in us. We understand that. But very rarely do we talk about us being in Christ. And the reason that we're not condemned is, yes, because Christ is in us. But don't forget, my friend, one of the ways to live victorious is even when you do sin, you are in Christ. What does it mean to belong in Christ? To be in Christ means to belong to Christ, to live the life where his power and lordship are experienced. To be in Christ means that you've got Christ in you. To be in Christ means you have been made one with him by faith in his redemptive sacrifice. To be in Christ means that you have complete exemption from condemnation. Now listen, you've got to get established on this fact. You must, just like you believe... All all of you in here that know Christ, your personal Savior, you believe the gospel wholeheartedly and you hold on to that and it's got a hold of you and there isn't anybody, if somebody came up to you and said, well, Buddha is the way to heaven, you would look at them and say, no way. Well, Muhammad's the way to heaven, you would say, not so. You would say, oh, well, um, Joseph Smith is the way to heaven or Reverend Moon is the way to heaven or the Pope is the way to heaven or the, the Episcopal Church is the way to heaven. You would say, not so. The Bible says, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You hold that dear. So then, my friends, why would you not hold dear to your heart just like the Bible says in John that Jesus is the way that you would hold dear to your heart that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? That is just as much a scripture as John 3.16 is. See, you got to get established on the fact of no condemnation. If you don't, listen, This is key. This is the reason why so many Christians make such little spiritual progress. Why? Because you live a defeated, you live a frustrated Christian life. It's like this. I take one step forward and I take two steps back. I take one step forward and I take two steps back. Oh, I had a good day. I got to take three steps forward and then I got two steps back. If you don't get a hold of this fact and apply it to your life by faith, you're going to live frustrated and defeated. See, the reason for this, you say, well, why, why, 
Why is it so hard to get, to get this fact? Because you are looking at your condition. You are looking at your condition and therefore you get discouraged. Here you go. Oh, I did it again. God, would you please forgive me? And then you're just like, yeah, I know he forgives me, but man, I just feel horrible. I'm like, man, when is this ever going to, when am I going to ever break through? When am I? Lord, I'm so sorry. And he's like, what are you talking about now? Lord, would you please forgive me? I can't, I just, man, I'm battling this. I I don't want to do this. I don't want to think this way. I don't want to act this way. Lord, I'm just... You, you, know, you know it's your focus. You're focusing on your condition. Instead, that's the reason you're living discouraged. That's the reason you're living frustrated. Instead, you're supposed to be focused on your position. What's my position? I'm in Christ. And Christ is in me. See, we're not to be influenced by our feelings and our condition, but rather by the written word of God. In spiritual growth, in spiritual growth, and listen, the eye of faith, this has to do with our faith, the eye of faith is slowly transformed from our point of view to his, from our condition to his position. So you say, well, man, I, I just feel like I am just totally wrapped up in this condition, and I, I can't see it, Pastor. I know you may not be able to see it. That's not the case, but it doesn't make it any less true that this is not your position. Your position is in Christ. You may have that condition, but as you start taking things by faith, guess what? Faith exercised is faith increased. You say, well, what's my position? I must reckon the truth that I am in Christ. Here you go. If you don't don't remember anything else about this, remember this. This will help you when you're talking about being in Christ. Remember this. These three words. Four words. (laughs) God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. Say it with me. God is for me. God's for me. He's not against me. Well, what if I have a wrong thought, pastor? God's still for you. Well, what if I, what if I look at the wrong thing, pastor? God's still for you. Well, what if I use the wrong kinds of words, Pastor? God is still for you. Now, I know some of you are starting to get nervous. You're thinking, oh, no. Well, what's going to happen? If you start preaching this, what's going to happen? Man, everybody's just going to be living this uh, licentious lifestyle, and we're going to just be going all over the place. Wait a second. It doesn't give us a license to sin. Paul already talks about that. He said, should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So he's already dealt with that. What he's saying is, look, though you may sin in your life, you cannot live in your condition. You've got to live in your position if you're going to live victorious. 
See, he's not saying, I'm giving you a license to sin. But what happens so many times in the Christian life is that we get so obsessed with the sin that we've committed, we forget about the Savior who's cleansed us. Look, think about it this way. The condition that all of us find ourselves in. Listen, we are falling creatures. All of us in here are going to sin. Now, I'm not saying that, that we ought to not walk in the spirit and, and, and try and live the, uh, the, the right kind of life. But let's face it. We are all going to sin. There's this flesh. Okay? But we got to remember that the condition that we find ourselves is infinitely, is infinitely, is infinitely inferior to our eternal position. Now, here, let me take it a step further. So God is for me. So when I still do wrong, God is for me. Now listen, here's another key. So God is for me. But his acceptance of me is not based upon me, it's based upon Christ. His acceptance of me is not based upon me, it's based upon Christ. So therefore, the work that God has done in my life is salvation, and I accepted that by faith. I must accept that by faith, God accepts me not based upon what I do for him, but because what has been done to me through Christ. Let me give you what you really are in Christ this morning. Not what you may feel like, but who you are in Christ. If you know Christ, your personal Savior, this is who you are in Christ. You are justified and redeemed, according to Romans 3.24. Your old self was crucified or killed, according to Romans 6.6. You are not condemned, according to Romans 8.1. You are free from the law of sin and death, according to Romans 8.2. You are accepted by God according to Romans 15, 7. You are sanctified, holy, set apart according to 1 Corinthians 1, 2. You are ransomed and restored to favor forever according to 1 Corinthians 1, 30. You are always led in his triumph, whether it appears so or not, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. You are a new creature, even though I don't always feel or act like one, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are the righteousness of God, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 21. You are liberated from the law, according to Galatians 2, 4. You are joint, you are joint, you are joined with all believers, not inferior to anyone, according to Galatians 3, 28. You are a son and heir of God, according to Galatians 4, 7. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, according to Ephesians 3.1. You are chosen, holy, and blameless before God, according to Ephesians 1.7. You are redeemed and forgiven, according to Ephesians 1.7. You have obtained an inheritance, according to Ephesians 1.10 and 11. You are sealed with the Spirit, according to Ephesians 
Ephesians 1.13. You are alive, formerly a dead spirit, according to Ephesians 2.5. You are seated in the heavenlies already, according to Ephesians 2.6. You are created for good works, according to Ephesians 2.10. You have been brought near to God, according to Ephesians 2.13. You are a partaker of the promise, according to Ephesians 3.6. You have boldness and confident access to God, according to Ephesians 3.12. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light, according to Ephesians 5.8. You are a member of his body, not inferior to any other members, according to Ephesians 5.30. Your heart and mind are guarded by the peace of God, though peace is, peace is something that we know, not always what we feel, according to Philippians 4.7. You have all your needs supplied, according to Philippians 4.19. You are complete in him, according to Colossians 2.10. You are raised up with him, according to Colossians 3.1. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, according to Colossians 3.3. This is who you are in Christ. You are not grubby. You are glorious in your nature, all because of Christ. That's who you are. You say, well, I don't feel it. It doesn't matter whether you feel it or not. That's who you are. We're not condemned because we're in Christ. But secondly, letter B, you're not condemned because you're not under the law. You're not under the law. The law condemns. But those of us who are in Christ, we have a new relationship to the law. Therefore, we can't be condemned. I want to I show you very quickly this morning three things that the law cannot do to you. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Here you go. You might want to write this down underneath point B if you're taking notes. The law cannot claim you. The law cannot claim you. It has no claim upon you. Each of us who are in Christ have been made free from the law, it says, of sin and death. You and I have been granted freedom because of Christ. Listen, you are either claimed by the law or you're claimed by Christ, but you cannot be claimed by both. Let me explain it like this. If you live in a country, the country that you live in are the laws that you follow. They're the ones that you obey. So where you have residence, we could say, is the determining factor of what law you obey. Can I remind you, my dear friend, that as believers, your residency is not here. It is in the heavenlies. That's where your address is. We live by a different law, and that's the law of Christ. It's the law of liberty. The law of sin and death can no longer claim you because you no longer live in that country. You once did. You lived in the country called death. But now, because of Christ, you live in a country called life. So remember, when Satan starts to remind you about how bad you are, and about how horrible of a person you are, and about how you can't measure up, just remind him one thing. I don't have to measure up because Christ has already measured up for me. It cannot claim you. But secondly, I see here this morning, the law cannot cleanse you. Take a look at verse 3 of Romans chapter 8. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. It cannot cleanse you. I want you to think about what the law does. When we try and earn God's favor, 
when we don't live by faith, the law can't cleanse you, but what else? Guess what? The law can't remove guilt. You ever think about that after you blow it? Listen, guilt brings you down, conviction brings you up. There's a major difference. Guilt brings you down, conviction brings you up. What's guilt do? Guilt makes you look internally, look at self and say, man, I haven't matched up to the law. Conviction says, man, I've done wrong, I've sinned against my God. And I need to get my focus back on him and make it right with him. It makes you feel guilty. It can't remove guilt. Law cannot remove shame. Law cannot remove sin. And law cannot remove bondage. You say, well, why is that? Because every time you break the law, these results are always present. The law only can condemn. It cannot save. That's why Jesus came and he went to the cross. He took on the condemnation for us so that we could be clean before God. If the law could cleanse us, then there would have been no need for Christ to die on the cross. Not only can the law not claim you, not only can the law not cleanse you, but the law cannot control you. Take a look at verse 4, if you will, of Romans chapter 8. The law cannot control you. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know what the law says? The law says, don't sin. The law says, don't sin. So the old man struggles to keep from sinning. You know, we try and do it in our own strength. Instead of getting on our knees and going to God in prayer and say, God, you've got to help me through this. I'm having a struggle with this, but I'm accepting by faith that I am in you and you are in me and that you've cleansed me. I don't have to succumb to this temptation. The law says don't sin. So the old man, he struggles to keep from sinning. The law says do righteousness. So guess what? So he struggles to be righteous. Listen, the law does not give, you got to get this, the law does not give the Christian power over sin. It gives sin power over the Christian. Did you hear me? The law does not give the Christian power over sin. It gives sin power over the Christian. As believers in Jesus Christ, we don't try and live a righteous life in the power of the law. But we live a righteous life in the power of the Holy Spirit. The just shall live by faith. And it's through the wonderful work of our precious Holy Spirit that we're able to, uh, to walk in obedience to God. Listen, the Christian life is designed so that you can't do it on your own. You can't live righteous on your own. You can't live free from bondage on your own. You can't do that. It's designed so that you, just as you accepted Christ by faith, it's designed that you walk by faith every day, not getting up in your own strength and not saying, well, I'm going to do better. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I've got a new resolution. No, it's saying that I am in Christ. Christ is in me, and I'm accepting that fact by faith. I know there's no condemnation. I know that the law has no, no power over me, and I'm going to walk by faith in Christ. So listen, everything that you do and you say, 
and, and it turns out right, you know what we do? We're like, man, I'm, 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 man, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. All right, I'm getting this Christian thing down now. I mean, I, I'm really moving forward in my Christian life because look what I just did. I was kind to that person when they were nasty to me. Oh, my, I am just wonderful. Instead of saying, God, thank you so much because I really wanted to rip their head off. I'm telling you, Lord, but man, you work through me. I'm glad you did it this time. Help me to do it again next time. I'm thankful for your son that lives inside of me. I'm thankful that I can trust you and walk in faith in you. It's not patting ourselves on the back, but it's raising our hands in praise to God who is working in us. See, let me tell you something. We think about the carnal Christian who's worldly, don't we? And I'm not saying that if you're a worldly person, you, you, you probably are a carnal Christian. I'm not debating that fact. But you ever think about this? That it's really the carnal Christian that tries to obey Christ in his own strength and fails to measure up to the righteous standard of God. That, that really is a carnal Christian. That you're trying to do it in your own strength. Now, we think a carnal Christian would be doing this and this and this and that. And that's true. You don't want to love the world, the Bible says, neither the things of the world. You know, you, you don't want to, you know, uh, in 1 John where he talks about, you don't want to have that. You want to have a love for the Lord. But we never really think about a carnal Christian being one who is trying to live the Christian life in their own strength. But that's exactly what it is. It is living the Christian life in your own strength. Listen, the spirit-led Christian, as he yields to the Lord, experiences the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in his life and is able to enjoy living free in Christ. Every believer can live free in Christ. But see, you know what this opens up to? See, this is real Christianity right here. Because guess what? Because not all of us are always going to act, do, say the right thing. You know what this type of Christianity right here helps us? It helps us get off our hobby, our high, high hobby horse there. Then look, I don't do this and I don't do that, but I can't believe brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so did. Because when you are trying to live this Christian life, being led of the Spirit, let's face it, we're all not going to always surrender to the Spirit. I wish that we, we would. The only time we'll do that is when we get to the other side. We're going to be perfect. But what it does is it takes us off our high hobby horse there and it puts our feet back down on the earth with everybody else. You know, those other nominal Christians. Because then when somebody disappoints you or sins against you, you can honestly look at them in the face and say, yeah, I forgive you. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one, lest ye also be tempted. Yeah, I forgive you because you know what? I may need you to forgive me. <laughs> That's a totally different type of Christianity than, oh, man, I can't believe they did that. Did you see, Pastor? He's not wearing a tie. 
oh, he's going down that slippery slope of liberalism. Does preacher know about this? Does his mom and dad know about this? Are they? I bet you if he finds out, boy, he's, oh, man. You know why we laugh? Because it's true, right? Well, we'll keep, you know what we'll do when we start living this type of Christian life like this, living free in Christ? No matter who walks through those doors, no matter what they look like, what they smell like, what background they've got, it doesn't matter. We're going to say, man, it's great to see you. Thank God for his grace. You know, sometimes you can see the horrible pit that some people are taken from by God's grace. Many of us, we're so cleaned up that those people who are taken from that horrible pit, they can't see the horrible pit that we came from. You say, what do you mean? Oh, we might have always looked good on the outside. We might have always smelt good on the outside. We might have always dressed right on the outside. But on the inside, we came from the same horrible pit that they came from. Sometimes you can just see it a little bit more on some people than on others. This type of Christianity, living free in Christ, because I'm not condemned, I'm not condemned. I am free in Christ, and I'm not under the law. This type of Christianity is the Christianity that we need to be living.